please turn there in your copies of God's Word. We'll be reading the whole psalm, but before I read, let us go once more to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you confessing that you alone are holy, you alone are righteous, and in us there is no righteousness at all. We confess that were we to come before you and stand upon our own merits, we would have no grounds to approach you at all. But we come before you acknowledging our sinful nature, our disposition towards all iniquity, and we stand before you pleading the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed unto us by faith. And we ask, O God, that you would look upon us not as we are in and of ourselves, but as we are in Christ, united unto him by faith and cleansed by his precious blood. We confess, O Father, that even, even sitting under gospel light, we do not yet have a, a real sense of the sin and misery which we find ourselves under. And we pray, O God, that by your Holy Spirit, bringing the Word of God to bear upon our souls, that we would really come to see a sight of our sin, that we might see an ever-glorious sight of our Savior who saves us from that sin. We pray that you would make the Word of God effectual unto this end by the operation of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 130. A song of degrees. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word. Confession of sin is a regular part of the Christian life. I heard two confessions of sin in the orders of worship this morning and evening. The Lord Jesus taught us to uh, pray for forgiveness each and every day in the Lord's Prayer. But if we're honest with ourselves, by and large, these confessions of sin that we make so often are merely cold and formal. We speak the words with our lips, but there's a disconnect with our heart. We don't have a real impression of the sin of which we speak. We don't really grasp how, iniquit how iniquitous we are in our actions, in our words, in our deeds. And so we don't have a real sense, a real sense of the holiness of God and of our own corruption. Therefore, we have this psalm. This psalm given to us as an example of a man who really comes under the, the conviction of sin who feels the depths of his sin and the miseries that accompany it and cries out unto God for mercy. 
the psalm before us is a cry for mercy. A cry for mercy grounded in the merciful disposition of God as on display in the work of Jesus Christ and has with it a confidence, a confidence for assurance of pardon that flows out of the covenant of grace, flows from God through the mediator, Jesus Christ. In our text, we see four parts. Each of the two verses form a kind of couplet, if you will. In the first two verses, we see the psalmist's cry itself, the psalmist's cry in verses 1 and 2. Then in verses 3 and 4, we see the psalmist, uh, the ground upon which he makes his cry in the mercy of God. In 5 and 6, we see a testimony of his patience. And then in 7 and 8, we see an exhortation to the church at large, following from his own experience. And so as we walk through the psalm, we'll consider it under these four headings. The cry itself, its ground, the psalmist's patience, and the psalmist's exhortation. So look once more with me at verse 1 as we consider the cry itself. He says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. His description of his prayer contains, first of all, a description of his, of his position, of his state. Out of the depths. And the description of the prayer itself, he cried. He cried unto the Lord. The man is in the depths. We can ask ourselves, well, what does this mean to be in the depths? Well, I propose that it's twofold. First of all, being in the depths of sin and horrors of conscience that accompany it. But oftentimes, because we're so hard-hearted and stiff-necked, we don't, we're, we're not sensible to just how sinful we are. And so the Lord will send us into the depths of misery. He will send His chastening hand to afflict us, to awaken our conscience, and make us sensible of our sins. We see this throughout the Scriptures. We see this throughout the, the lives of many saints. David himself, especially. Oftentimes when we fall into a state of hardness of heart, a, a backslidden and hardened mind, our conscience won't be awakened, will we'll remain darkened until the Lord sends His chastening hand to awaken us and to turn us back unto Himself. And so the psalmist here cries out of the depths unto the Lord. This is a man who has really, really felt the darkness and despair that sin brings. This is a man that really cries out unto the Lord for mercy. And so as we consider this psalm, that's the theme that we'll be considering this evening. That a real sense, a, a real sense of sin and misery incites the soul to cry out to God for mercy. A real sense of sin and misery incites the soul to cry out to God for mercy. And so the psalmist, having such a real sense, cries out to God. He says, Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive unto the voice of my supplications or my cries for mercy. This is a man having felt the depths of his sin, being plunged into afflictions and sorrows under the chastening hand of God, is brought to cry out unto God for mercy, for deliverance. 
oh, we talk about sin so often, don't we? You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, he's a sinner, she's a sinner. But we say it so lightly that it becomes empty words, mere Christianese. Meditate for a moment, friend, really on what it means to sin against a holy God. The God of creation who made all things, heaven and earth, who shines his, his sun and sprinkles his rain upon your face and gives you all good things. And for you who are in the visible church, you who profess the name of Christ, you sin against gospel light. And your sins, as sins against the light of the gospel, are aggravated sins. You sin not only against the light of nature, not only against God as creator, but you sin against Christ the Redeemer. Your sins, the sins that you commit in gospel light, are as though you spit upon the face of Jesus Christ himself. And you add, you add to the burden upon his back. In the prophets in Isaiah, we read Christ speaking of himself as, as being made to serve by the sins of his people. In, in Amos, we read that the sins of his people, he's, he's, like a whore, he's like a cart that's pressed under stacks of hay. And when you sin, Christian, it's as though you're adding on, you're piling it on, more sin, more lust, more lies, more pornography, more unjust anger, more harsh words against your spouse and your children. And you're looking upon Christ and you're saying, oh, you're going to take care of that for me, you're going to take care of the bill, I might as well add on more and more and more. Do you see how foul, how wicked it is to sin against gospel light? The sad truth is that often, most uh, often, really, we're not as sensible as we ought to be to the heinousness of our sins. But when God comes, either through His Word and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, and brings that Word to bear upon our souls, or through His chastening hand in His providences, and awakens our conscience and causes us to see just how foul, just how wicked our sins are, then, with the psalmist, we'll be incited to cry out to God for mercy. To cry out to God for mercy. He cries out from the depths, and he really does cry. Friend, have you ever cried out to God in prayer? Yes, it's one thing to pray before a meal or before bedtime. That's what we do. We're Christians. But when your soul is in tatters, when you're in despair, when there's a crisis going on, and you really pour out your soul unto God. That's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? And so the psalmist, being in the depths, is really moved to pour out his soul before his God, to cry out for mercy, really being impressed by the heinousness of his sin. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive unto the voice of my supplications, my cries for mercy. Well, the truth is, you can cry out to mercy, for mercy unto God all day long, from morning unto night. You can dress yourself up in sackcloth and ashes. But outside of God, outside of Christ, outside of a mediator, those cries will not be heard. There is no mercy outside of Christ. And so as we come to verses 3 and 4, we see that the ground... The ground of this cry, uh, to have any expectation of, of being pardoned, of being answered, is found in Jesus Christ. 
It's found in the mercy of God that's put on display in Jesus Christ. He says, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? If God were really to take a toll of each and every one of your sins, and friend, I'm not just talking about your, your heinous sins, your fornication, your pornography. I, I'm talking about every thought, word, and deed that is out of conformity with or in transgression of the law of God. If God were to mark out each and every one of those sins and give you what you deserve, could you really stand before him? Oh, I know the orthodox answer, of course not. I'm a sinner, everybody's a sinner. But, but the, the reality of our hearts as Christians is we start to get puffed up. And we start to think, well, I'm not as bad as the prostitute on the street or the drug addict on the corner. I go to church. I do family worship. Maybe not every day. I pray here and there. I read my scriptures. I've learned the catechism. I haven't done any. I even grew up in the church. I haven't done anything too heinous. And we begin to trust in ourselves, trust to our own righteousness as though we had any to speak of. But if God really really were to mark out each and every one of our sins, even as believers, even this very morning, this very day, if God were to mark out all of our sins and hold us, and, and hold us to the bar of His divine justice, we would find ourselves naked and exposed before the throne of a holy God. But, oh blessed blessed word of God that brings these buts. But God, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Although it's true, although it's true that we as Christians because of the aggravation of our sins as we sin against gospel light are in fact more wretched, our sins are, are, are more heinous than the sins of those that are, are merely groping in the darkness. But there is forgiveness with God. God, in His grace, looked upon mankind as mankind fell into an estate of sin and misery and did not leave us in that estate, but sent unto us a Redeemer in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that there is a way, there is a way unto forgiveness, so that our cries for mercy as we come, as we come under conviction of sin through the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing the Word of God to bear upon our souls, as we come under this conviction, we don't wallow into despair. We don't meditate upon our sins, we don't confess our sins merely so that we can hang our head in depression. No. But we have a mediator through whom comes the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness that God may be feared. This word feared is really synonymous for the whole of divine worship, even faith itself, so that God might be worshipped, that God might be approached unto in faith. You see, God, we read in the prophets, God is a God that delights in mercy. That concept is strange to us, delight in mercy. What do we delight in? We delight in I told you so. 
We delight in pointing out faults and gossiping about faults. But God delights in mercy. And so as we come under conviction of sin, and we realize the heinousness of our transgressions of God's law, and the corruption of our nature, as we confess these things, as we approach to God, we do so knowing that He's a God that delights in mercy, that is disposed to show mercy and grace and freely offer forgiveness unto us in Jesus Christ. This is the reason why we meditate upon our sin, that we look at the standard of God's holy law and compare ourselves to it so that the words of the gospel that oftentimes become so dull to us because of our corrupt ears, that they might be real, that we might have a real sense of the gospel and what it means. How can we say Jesus died for our sins in a cold and formal way, with affections unstirred, with a heart untouched? Jesus died for my sins that ought to inflame you with love, that ought to excite you unto worship. But because we often don't have a real sense of our sin and misery, those words are oftentimes just words. That's why it's good to take a psalm like this and meditate. Meditate upon the depths of sin and the misery that follows from it so that we can really appreciate the cross of Jesus Christ the cross of Him who was made a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. There is forgiveness with God so that He may be feared, so that we might worship Him in spirit and truth through the mediator, through Jesus Christ. This is the ground upon which we cry out to God for mercy. But look, as we go on to verses 5 and 6, look at the psalmist's testimony of his patience. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. The idea here in context in the flow of the psalm is that the man is under darkness and despair, horrors of conscience, afflictions of the soul, but he looks unto the mercy of God in Christ and he waits. He waits patiently for relief. It might be that there was some outward affliction, some, some temptation or, or uh, chastening hand of God upon him that was causing him to cry out in this way, or it may just be that his conscience had been so wounded by his sins that he was waiting upon God to restore his communion and fellowship with him so that he might have an actual enjoyment, an actual enjoyment of God's presence, love, and fellowship once more. He waits. You see, as we cry out to God for mercy... We're not to act as though the mere uttering of the words takes away the, the wounds of conscience or the afflictions of this life that we're undergoing at the moment, but we wait patiently. We wait patiently for the Lord to bring His comforts, to, to restore our conscience and, and repair our assurance of, faith, of, of salvation. 
that is often wounded by our sins, and we wait with patience for the Lord, and we hope in His Word. We hope in His Word, this Word of the Gospel that testifies to us of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that shows us the way of salvation, and shows us that by two immutable things, and that is it is impossible for God to lie, and that He confirmed the covenant of grace with an oath so that we might have an anchor for the soul, that we might know that even when our minds are darkened, our faith is weakened, our conscience is wounded, that we can anchor ourselves upon the Word of God, that all of His gospel promises are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. And so we wait with the psalmist for the Lord. We wait for Him. And we wait for Him more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. The idea here is taken from uh, the ancient watchmen of the militaries that would guard the cities. Their, their duty was to stay up all night long and to wait, uh, to, to watch out, to see if any enemy might encroach upon the city or upon the camp, and to sound the alarm, to blow the trumpet if it was the case. And because their role was so crucial, if they were to fall asleep and an enemy were to break through, they themselves would be liable to be put to death. Well, you can imagine that having such a job that you have to be up all night, you would be eagerly waiting for the morning, eagerly waiting for your shift to be over. But the psalmist says, I wait all the more eagerly even than these. You can imagine how into the depths of the night one might be so tired, so, so longing for, the, for rest, so wearied by his labors. But the psalmist says, my wearied soul waits for the Lord, for his rest is ever more sweet. And so the, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ come to mind, don't they? In that he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so with the psalmist, we too are to wait for the Lord patiently, knowing that in His presence is fullness of joy. And though our, our sin might, might rupture, might disturb that, that present and actual enjoyment of His comforts, even might wound our assurance that as we wait patiently for the application to our very souls of the gospel promises that bring healing, that we find rest in Him through Jesus Christ. And of course, as, as the psalmist hopes in his word, of course, he's hoping in something outside of the inward is, is mere inward feelings. And he looks upon the Word of God that holds out Jesus Christ, that holds out the Gospel to us, holds out this forgiveness, holds out reconciliation unto God, and reckoning those things as true, as an anchor for the soul. So that even, even in those seasons of, of darkness, of seeming spiritual desertion, even in those seasons, we can trust 
We can anchor ourselves upon the Word of God that holds out Jesus Christ to us and know that all of His promises are sure and steadfast. Yea and amen in Christ. So that even if our minds are darkened, the Word of God is true. Now at this point we might confess and say, Preacher, you're right. I don't really have a sense of the depth of my sin. So what do I do now? How do I repent for not being sorrowful enough? How do I be sorry for not being sorrowful enough? How do I repent for fake repentance? I'm not asking you this evening to muster up tears. I'm not telling you this evening to measure your standing before God by the the feelings of the depths of your sorrow. But I'm telling you that you have to look out of yourselves. Look and see that there's nothing in yourself, not even the depth of your sorrow, because you see that you're not really like this psalmist, are you? That even as you hear these words, you confess that you don't have that depth and that sense of sorrow for sin. But that's not the point. The point is that you go and you fly unto Christ for mercy. You fly unto Him for mercy even if your repentance is insufficient, even if your sorrow isn't where it ought to be, and you anchor yourselves upon the Word of God. And as you anchor yourselves upon Him as the mercy of the mercy of God in Christ, as the anchor for your soul, then looking upon yourself as utterly destitute, utterly destitute of anything pleasing unto God in and of yourself, you rest your hope in Jesus Christ, the only, the only remedy for your soul. But notice what comes next. The psalmist, after crying out to God for mercy, grounded upon his mercy in Christ as he waits in patience, He's now incited to exhort others to come and experience the same mercy that he himself has experienced. Let's look at verses 7 and 8, the psalmist's exhortation. He says, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. This is a man that has really experienced the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. And having experienced its sweetness, having been rescued out of the depths of sin and misery. He's now made a preacher. Not necessarily in a pulpit, but he's someone that is excited, incited to go and to share the good news. And like Jesus said unto that man he healed in Mark chapter 5, go and tell your friends what wonderful things the Lord has done for you. This man that has really experienced the mercy of God in Christ is moved, he's compelled, compelled by the love of Christ to go and tell others, to go and tell it to his friends, to his co-workers, to his classmates, to his family members that don't believe. He's excited to go and to call even upon the visible church to turn and to hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy and with him is plenteous Redemption. Let Israel hope in the Lord. Feeling the depth of your sin, seeing the coldness and the formality of your religion. Hope in the Lord, for with Him 
there is mercy and plenteous redemption. And he shall, with a certainty, verse 8, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Hope in the Lord. Hope in him, for he holds out mercy. He offers grace. He freely distributes his pardon unto all, unto all that look unto him, unto all that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you grow as a Christian, I trust that your sense of sin only grows all the deeper. You might objectively be sinning less than you were five years ago. But you have a deeper sense of your sin. And you see how it's deep inside of your soul. You see how it permeates all throughout your life. And you desire to be free from it. Well, the gospel is for you, friend. The gospel isn't just for the stranger on the street, but it's also for the Christian in the pew. The Christian is to live day by day by faith in Christ Jesus. The Christian is often to look unto the standard of God's law, see his sin, and be refreshed, refreshed with gospel tidings of peace. As you see your failings as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as an elder, as a church member. As you see these things, you're to anchor yourselves, anchor your soul upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and walk in His mercy, never once trusting to yourselves, never once living as though you have a righteousness of your own, but always and ever trusting in Jesus Christ as the anchor for your soul that pardons you of your sins and gives you access and boldness unto God the Father through His cross. And so as we consider these words, let us really meditate upon the depths of our sin. And as we look upon the world, we look upon our own lives and see the misery that sin brings. Let it incite us to cry out to God for mercy, being confident that because He is a God that delights in mercy and has displayed that mercy in the cross of Jesus Christ, that we can wait patiently for a repair to our conscience, for a healing to our assurance, and that we can even be moved and excited to tell others to hope in the Lord, being assured that with Him is mercy. And with Him is plenteous redemption and that we know for a certainty. That we know for a certainty He shall redeem Israel from all His iniquities. Every aspect of our iniquities, the miseries that it brings upon this life, the loss of communion and, and daily fellowship that, it, that ensues from it, as well as the corruption of our souls and bodies, we are to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. That redemption has already been stamped upon our souls and we have it in earnest through the Holy Spirit. 
and we await for its fullness on the last day. And so, church, hope in the Lord and cry out to Him for mercy in Christ, knowing, knowing for a surety that it is freely offered to you in Christ Jesus. And as, and as you receive it by faith, your iniquities are surely, surely going to be pardoned and you will. You are redeemed in Christ Jesus through faith in His name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus Christ in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to redeem, uh, to, put, uh, to conquer sin through his flesh. And we ask, O oh God, that you would really impress upon our hearts and minds a sense of, of our sins, of our particular sins, of how we've transgressed your law and thought and word and in deed, and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would incite us to pray, to cry out unto you for mercy. And we confess that we do not know how to pray of ourselves, and therefore we need your Holy Spirit to intercede for us. And we ask, O oh God, that the things that we've heard would be written upon our hearts, and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would bring forth the fruit of them in our lives, and that truly we would know that you are a God with whom there is mercy and forgiveness and a God that redeems his people from their sins. Amen.